Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the July 27th edition of the PFF Forecast. I'm George. I'm joined by Eric. And we decided that you'd heard enough of just us yammering on the podcast. So today, Drew Dinsick uh, of NBC Sports Edge. Also, you may know him of his whale capper fame. Um, and uh, the Deep Dive podcast that he does with Andy Molitor, also a friend of the podcast. We're going to have a fun time today. We're going to learn, among other things, why Eric, where Eric got the phrase brother in Christ from. And then we're also going to talk uh, about NFL football, what Drew thinks is uh, worth betting on for this season, and uh, also what we think will happen in the betting space uh, kind of uh, this year and, and going forward. So it'll be a lot of fun. Let's rock. Got made fun of for having a mic that was a little uh, bombastic, shall we say? Um, Drew asked you before we were about to record, "Where does brother in Christ come from?" And I'm, I don't know. So I actually, can I interrupt? I think yeah. I think I, I have a prediction. Yeah, I'm a, okay. I'm a. This is going to prove how dedicated a listener I am of the PFF forecast. Member of the syndicate. It, Eric went on some bachelor party or something over the summer, and mm-hmm. everybody was saying it, and he got a kick out of it. Mm. And he's like, you know what? This is going to make me more relatable. I'm going to bring it into the lexicon. <laughs> and this is going to be my thing for the fo- for the football season. That's I think I that's wish, what happened. I wish it was that like elaborate and fun. It actually was our mutual friend. And when we were in Boston, George, uh, you didn't you weren't a, weren't able to come out with that, us that one night. But uh, we went out with uh, Sam Schwartzstein, who was who ran the rules for the uh, uh xfl really bright guy really fun guy and i want to say like he bought a beer or something he was like my brother in christ thank you and walked like as like <laughs> as a like a goof and i i i lost it i i honestly lost it and i i was like dude can i use this and he's like yeah i think you can so that was and then i think if you if you follow his twitter like the 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 acronym BIC is is like littered throughout, so that was, and then I just kind of got more comfortable. I mean, honestly, nothing is like nothing adds. It adds a little bit of an oomph, right? The, a well placed BIC is pretty is pretty powerful. I so, <laughs> <laughs> Drew, I I get a lot of text messages from Eric that have BIC, 
And the first time I saw it, I was like, did someone like trick Eric into an acronym that he doesn't understand? Because <laughs> it looks, it looks really close to something that is not what he's intending to say. Of course. <laughs> of course. And then I was like, what the hell is he saying? And then I finally put it together. I was like, oh, it's brother in Christ. And as someone that was raised uh, devoutly Catholic, was an altar boy from like age I don't know, seven on. I am very familiar with the lexicon and uh, my brethren in uh, in his Lord's name, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> you picked it up from a guy named Shortstein. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's part of the inside joke there, but you know, it's a, uh, it's okay. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been a, really the, the point was it's been a joy listening to you guys all summer. Um, I really feel like you set the market on a lot of opinion uh, because you were sort of the first ones digesting some of the major things that changed over the NFL season. So, um, you know, it must be fun to you to sit back now and kind of see the echoes sort of, you know, reverberate around the space and change a little bit as they bounce off certain portions, whether they be soft or sharp. So uh, well, it's, uh, you know, look, it's interesting. Drew, we, we, I appreciate that. And we try, but, you know, Eric and I are not, you know, we can't compete with some of the, the members of the community that are in real live syndicates, you know, it's true. Uh, it's true. There's it's only, true. only so much that we can do, you know, from I, well, our... I don't have 85 hours in a week to work. <laughs> I just have the 80. So that means sometimes I lose two consecutive weeks, but we, That's I right. want to bring this back because Drew, I, you're being very complimentary, but I will say, Obviously, you won the Bet the Process Calcutta, if I'm not mistaken, right? With the Rams Super Bowl, right? Yeah, that was uh, 2022. That was uh, the high point of my of my year financially. But but it, it, but but I I bring it back though. The 2022 NBA draft. You had a great <laughs> segment on Gil Alexander's mm -hmm. show where you basically walked the like dog walked the public through the the Paolo Banchero number one overall pick and why it had a chance you know and you ended up being like spot on it was one of the best betting videos betting pieces of betting content uh, I've seen uh I, you know second to Simon Hunter I think <laughs> it's actually it's actually so, one thousand behind every Simon Hunter piece well, of content it goes Simon Hunter, enough, it goes yeah. Simon tough, Hunter yeah. first segment Simon Hunter's second segment, mm -hmm. Ross Tucker's athletic greens ad read in the middle of those two segments. Yeah. And, where then, he somehow, and, then, yeah, and then I said, Drew on Gill's show is a, is a fourth placer there. Yeah. Ross but Tucker's ability to, to, to work his poor guest into the athletic greens uh, ad read. <laughs> Absolutely sensational. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, go listen to like two, three podcasts back where we addressed um, a particular interview on our friend, Ross Tucker's podcast. Uh, I drew it greens. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making a comeback. Um, one of the things that we've done on this podcast that actually has been uh, a lot of fun is to talk more about the betting space and ways that people can get involved with betting. I've always loved Calcutta's. I haven't had the time to do more of them and I don't have, you know, I think it's one of those things that are challenging because you do need a group of people to do it with you. It's, it's kind of like an auction fantasy league. Like it took me forever to get my group of friends to do it. Cause it's, it's a, it's a thing, but I do think our audience would really 
um, enjoy hearing about, you know, what you talking through kind of the Calcutta, what um, you ended up doing, what your strategy was and kind of how you won that. Uh, Cause it's a really cool, it's a, it was a very competitive group of some of the best sports bettors in the space. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Calcutta is effectively, if you're familiar with auction, the uh, way an auction works for fantasy football players, it's somewhat similar. Uh, you have to come up with a fair price for every single player or every single team in the pool. And you have to also sort of handicap your competition, you know, who's going to pick, you know, who's going to price what higher than market. Um, you know, how much do I even weight market ratings versus my own ratings? Uh, and, you know, and just in general, uh, depending on when you get in in the Calcutta, if you're one of the uh, winners of sort of the first couple of teams, then you're on like, you're immediately on price enforcement <laughs> mode, right? You need to make sure that what you've got becomes plus EV uh, if it's not already plus EV based on what you think the projection of the total pot's going to be. Um, and uh, yeah, it's incredibly fun. It kind of grew mostly out of college basketball because that was sort of a way of getting people skin in the game for the tournament. You know, you got 64 teams in the bracket, every team, you know, depending on how you structure the payout, you know, you can uh, come up with innovative ways to have everybody bidding and wanting certain teams. Um, and, uh, you know, it's fun because you don't really know what the pot's going to be until it's over. Um, and if the payout is percentage based on percentage of the pot, then it's a dynamic process where as you, you know, a team comes in, you have to kind of evaluate like, okay, well, that was, 5% over what I thought it was going to go for. Now, either the pot is gone up because of that, or I am particularly low on that team. And you have to kind of adjust in the moment as far as, uh, you know, what your bidding strategy is going to be. And, um, you know, because of the players I was playing with, this of course is, uh, you know, Rufus and Jeff of Bet the Process who started this, at least with the kind of the professional group that was uh, that was part of the one that I was involved in most recently. Was Simon Hunter in it or? No, no, he didn't participate. His mm -hmm. syndicate is too sharp for us. We wouldn't invite them. So, yeah. um, you know, in seriousness, the, uh, you know, I recognized the hard way of the first time I played with those guys that I was small stack. And if you're small stack, then you have a lot less flexibility in terms mm -hmm. of price enforcement. You have to be a lot more careful about your strategy bidding because, um, you know, you you don't want to end up with one team that has minus CV at yep. when you're playing high stakes. It's just a absolutely miserable experience. And so, uh, you know, kind of broadening the network a little bit, getting a couple other players to, you know, kind of pull some, pull some uh, uh, liquidity uh, definitely helped us when we ended up bidding on the Rams. We had the Rams and the Bills that year. I still think that, um, you know, that was, you know, it is, again, it, it all, it, you, when you're playing against sharp players like this, a lot of it comes down to luck. The Rams were lucky to win that Super Bowl. Uh, and I thought that uh, the Bills obviously were on the wrong side of a coin toss. And, were they, uh, you know, where, where did they rank um, price wise at the end of it? And where did you end up getting them? So did you <sighs> get them early? And because that's, I think, the really fascinating yeah. thing. So when you're playing, like, I think the difference for people out there, like, if you do an auction league in, in football, you have a cap. This is the uncapped nature of this is really wonderful and it can be scary, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's, I think it's one of the, um, the, the great joys of it. So that makes it really tricky, right? Because you've got to figure out, well, if I bet, you know, just to make it simple, if I bet like, bid like $500, I win a team $500 in the beginning, it's the first team. Well, if every other team is going for 50 bucks, then I'm kind of screwed. Yeah, no, but yeah, without question. I think the Rams were third off the board. 
Um, so they were early in the process. Uh, they, we ended up getting them for 5k under our reserve price. Uh, my strategy going into it was I, I, I kind of wanted the Rams because that was a pretty obvious hole in my portfolio broadly as the futures went, because starting the season last year, I was like, man, if this team has one injury, they can kiss any hope of a playoff run goodbye. Ultimately, not only did they not have a key injury, they ended up getting stronger based on acquisitions <laughs> over the balance of the season. And so here we are, the best price is long gone. And I'm like, man, I don't have any Rams. I better plug that hole. Um, and this was a good opportunity to do that. And they ended up coming up early in the bidding. Uh, I was a little over Rams market price to win the Super Bowl as playoffs started. I was a lot over Bill's market price for, to win the Super Bowl last year. And uh, so that was who we ended up with. And it wasn't a huge surprise. We didn't get in many bidding wars. And again, you know, like the golf, they do golf ones as well. And those are chaos because everybody prices are usually like, there's all not the consensus on what yeah. fair price is for golfers at all. You look at data golf versus bookmaker versus pinnacle, like, the prices are not like, uh, you know, just everybody agrees. Uh, so that's a little more chaotic uh, with NFL futures. I mean, the, you know, the general kind of power ranking approach versus the future market approach, all of it was telling you that, okay, this team is worth this much of the pot. And so you kind of, I, I, I felt like we had pretty strong reserve prices there. So anyway, fun, fun, uh, fun way to start the year. Um, and then the Palo Banchero, uh, uh, being right when Woj was wrong, that probably will go down as the pinnacle for me and doing media in space just because uh, I don't know. Will I Woj think... ever be wrong again? Oh, come on. Yeah, it's I'm, not, I'm it's definitely not, not going to get there's only like getting like shafted. Yeah. Look, yeah. look, Drew, if you want to take Quay Walker next time and say <laughs> him, it's going to cost you one media appearance check. Uh, Oh no! Are you going to get some sports cards in return? For I want, I guess. So if you're going to take the Quay Walker, I a Cal want Cut up, a, but with rookie cards. I want a. You know what? That's a great point. Zach Wilson rookie <laughs> card, because you know if you get inside information on the on the uh, libidinous uh, uh, activities of the quarterback before everybody else does too, like imagine how how much value that's going to be worth. So that's a great point. I, I think, you know. You said something in a tweet that I thought was really, really was, I think, very important. And one of the reasons why I, you know, really enjoy, you know, you know, knowing you and, and the relationship we've built up and, you know, Andy obviously is, you know, a great, not only a great co-host with you on the show, but just also a good, a good guy and a good friend. And, you know, networks matter a lot, right? Like you're never going to be able to, you know, I'm never going to be able to understand NBA basketball the way that you do um you know you you're probably not going to have some of the inside nfl contacts that we do possibly or something like that but like we're all sort of coming together and and i think that the thing that's you know obvious is that we're all laying a dollar ten so we all sort of know that that's you know it's a tough world and in banding together i think is, is extremely good and also just sharing you know our our stories and stuff like that i think you know, it can be a lonely world when you go, you know, as I did Sunday, like over a million on WNBA bets. And it's just like, it's, it's nice to know that George has done that before on F1, just three hours earlier. Um, so, like, uh, so that's, that's sort of nice. Um, and, and like I said, I, I think that that's, I think it's, I think it's really cool. And I think obviously, you know, uh, the sports betting space is better for it. And I think, you know, five years ago, everybody that was on something like, and I know VEASAN's not this old, but like, let's say the equivalent of VEASAN or everybody that was on, 
you know, sports betting stuff, you know, the, the, that the stature of the conversation is, wasn't nearly as high as it is now, uh, even given, you know, how, you know, the increases of the Simon Hunters of the world, there's also plenty of Drew Dinsex, for example. And like, I think that that is an extremely good thing about the space. No, I, I agree with that 100%. And um, your, yeah, your, your networking point is, I, I mean, <clears throat> it's tough for me to say that there's anything more important as you kind of escalate as far as a player goes. You know, you get, and, and this is, um, this is something that a lot of people that have probably used, you know, that listen to PFF forecasts that use your tools, particularly those who are kind of, um, you know, you, you know, utilizing them in the player prop space, like, at some point, you're going to hit a ceiling where you're not you're not able to get the bet size you want down. And at that point, what do you do? You know, do you just live with you know what you have? And you know, if if you know the trend continues and the legal shops you know continue to try to limit sharper players, like you know, it could even be like you. Not only are you not getting the bet size you want down, you're not even getting as much down as you got last year. And at that point, you need a network. <laughs> period. Um, and I think. Um, what I've kind of learned through years of doing this now is, is over the balance of a season, you're going to have lots and lots and lots of bets that are ultimately coin flips. And presumably you are using enough tools and enough, uh, you know, kind of grinding enough small edges that you're treading water in a market where you're paying a VIG like that, mm -hmm. you know, that should ultimately be kind of the way you look at the NFL betting in general, in my opinion, you shouldn't look at it. Like how much money am I going to make this season? No, stop. Like literally like, like the tre tread water, <laughs> don't, don't redeposit. Um, and then over, but over the balance of the season, a couple of times you'll come up with like a bona fide edge. And when you have one in hand, you know it. And you're like, okay, now you know, this is real. Like, you know, in con, you know, relative to what I was betting in the last handful of weeks, I don't feel, you know, nearly as good about it for whatever reason. Maybe you got a little bit of in inside information. Maybe you put together something you saw on tape that nobody else is talking about, uh, or just in general, like you happen to be betting a team that the market in, is, is slow to catch up on. And all of a sudden now you have this real bona fide edge on a player prop on a team, you name it. Um, and you know, when the, big edges do kind of come along over the balance of your season, you have to be able to act on that with like gusto. <laughs> and if that means, you know, utilizing your network connections to be able to get higher liquidity down on any given thing, be it a NBA draft prop, an NFL draft prop, uh, uh, you know, a player prop that you have, you know, strong, you know, bona fide edge on, um, you know, you need other people to help you do that sometimes. And, you know, I think in general, a lot of the NFL, a lot of the NBA day-by-day day, day day betting, game-by-game game betting is treading water, and then the big ones come along. And as long as you hit those hard enough at the right times and have the right connections to be able to exercise, uh, you know, more as much liquidity as possible on the bona fide edges, then, uh, you know, over the balance of your season, your, your, your bankroll growth is going to be a step plot. And every yeah. time you hit one of those good ones, it's going to be pretty solid. And that's been the whole story of 2022 for me, <laughs> really. Yeah. Like, you know, the NBA, you look at my kind of bankroll, NFL draft, NBA draft, like those were huge, huge, huge days in what ultimately became huge months. And if I didn't have anyone else that I was working with, then forget about it. Cause nobody in the offshore space is going to write me a bet on the NFL draft. <laughs> nobody is going to write me a bet on the NBA draft. No one was writing anyone bets on the NBA draft. Yeah. Uh, you know, so having those kind of the network ability to kind of uh, size correctly when you have a, an edge like that is huge. And 
Um, you know, I'm sure as I continue, now I'm, I'm certainly not a limit player in the NFL or even close. Like I'm not anywhere close to being able to move lines on Sundays. If, you know, I would, you know, if I have a strong opinion, um, but presumably, you know, you, you do this long enough, you at least get close, if not get there. And, um, you know, at that point, maybe it, this isn't, you know, that's a different discussion, but where I'm at right now, like being able to exercise as much as get down as much liquidity as possible when you have a true bona fide edge is kind of the most important name in the game for me. Yeah. I think, you know, and, and one example, you know, cause I know the drafts, you know, the different leagues don't necessarily maybe appeal to everybody, but even something like, uh, new England at Buffalo last year, right. Where, that total is at, you know, 40, you know, I believe it opened like 44, right? It gets down to in like, it, the market's not quite ready to like give it a full 36 and a half. So like, you know, we're sitting here and I mean that, you know, that, like you said, I'm not a limit player in the NFL, but the, I probably had like 10 times my normal volume on that game because, you know, there's just certain situations where, you know, if you're in a land where you're making a bunch of 53, 47, you know, as you said, grinding it out and the world offers you a 60, 40, like, yeah. you know, and the world offered us yeah. a 60, 40 with Quay Walker. It also yeah. offered us a 60, 40 with Lewis seen to Tampa Bay. And like, yeah. and that one was like, it was false. Right. And the, the Tampa Bay lied to him. Now you still can recover it. You have to give yourself outs. If you also bet Lewis seen in the first round or Lewis seen under 35 and a half, you still won back some of your money. You didn't win the full maximum the way you would have with like a Quay Walker bet, but that that's the name of the game. As you said, you, and, and I think the hard part is that somebody will say, well, well, Drew, why aren't you just betting the 60 forties? Yeah. And it's like, well, you, the, and one of the things in education that I learned <laughs> right near the end of my professor, uh, you, you uh, learned something in education. That's really a first that <laughs> was, people don't learn things as well unless they have, unless they put skin in the game. So you would, you know, so you don't know when the opportunities arise unless you are suffering the wins and the losses in time. Right. Like, I think that that's where, you know, you do have to live in these markets and there's also practical aspects of it. Like you said, Drew, where if all you're doing is hammering these books, when their lines are off, they're going to limit you so quickly some of them you actually do want to come in and actually flip coins for a few months and then they'll actually, they'll, they won't limit you. And then you'll have, you'll have those opportunities. Like there's a number of like practical reasons why you would want to sit in a market for a while and then strike while the iron's hot. It's just like, that's what it's all about. in, in my, in my opinion. And I think, you know, this season and this off season and this week, this year has sort of confirmed a lot of that. Yeah. Well, and, and the point um, that I think should be made is, like those 60, 40 events, sometimes it is a single event to know that it's a single event though. You have to have so much information and confidence to spot it. So like, I'll give you an example. Um, my buddy and I who do the super contest, we, we might go into a week and feel good. We don't know anything. You know, the, the amount of consistent analysis of the teams of the you know injury patterns or or you know how teams are matching up you have to follow that so closely to recognize truly a, a 60 40 right and that might not be a single event it might be something that you take advantage of over time right you might recognize an edge in a player prop market that you're going to hit and you're not going to do that 
if you're a casual better. I think that's so like if I, my question to you would be because we you know we have a, a lot of as you do on your podcast and the people listen to this podcast be looking for another good great podcast the that deep dive pod is a great one. Um, what's your recommendation to someone who is maybe a casual better? And now as members of the syndicate are obviously more kind of attuned to things than most people, but they have other jobs, right? Like, of course, yeah, you know, there of are plenty of like really, really smart people out there who aren't spending every single minute of every day, really now analyzing things to be able to pick up on those. What would you tell those people? Uh, I think there's probably like good advice for a couple of different tiers of betters, I would say. If you're betting with your gut right now, if you're sitting down and you're making your picks on Sunday morning, like you got to revise your process from scratch. You have to be able to make a number. You have to make it quantitative um, and you have to probably start betting earlier in the week um, if, if you're at that level. And I think most people probably start that way. I know I certainly did. I probably spent too many years <laughs> just kind of rolling out of bed on Sundays and firing off whatever was left that, that, that I didn't lose on college football Saturday. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I, I, you, you know, that, that is a big first step and it's a hugely, um, plus EV step to be able to actually just come up with a fair number. However you do it is fine, but make it as repeatable as possible. Uh, and, uh, you know, don't build some complex system that you're going to lose interest in, you know, just because it's, you made it too complicated, like just keep it simple and, you know, try to, uh, make it repeatable and make your own numbers is a good first step. And then if you're already there, if you're betting a little earlier in the week, if you're seeing okay results, or even if you've had really good results, uh, betting into overnights with, you know, whatever numbers you're coming up with. Um, the next absolutely most important thing that you should be paying attention to is the market itself. Um, what is going on between market open when you're betting market close? Um, most people are really resistant to looking at closing line value when they're some, when they're in that phase of betting, because mm -hmm. they're like, uh, you know, I win, you know, I'm, I'm winning, whatever. It doesn't matter if the market's with me or against me, but like, if you kind of that next step of really paying attention to what's going on, market dynamics, uh, any, and that's literally just paying attention. Like mm -hmm. it, it's a time, it's a time suck. Sure. Like, uh, but if you care about this, it's going to be, you're going to enjoy the spending that time doing that, that anyway, <laughs> like I certainly learned that like, Oh yeah, actually I like doing this. Um, but, uh, yeah, looking at sort of how the market is maturing, when it's moving, why it's moving. And, you know, and, and then if you can take that next step, who's moving it, um, and, or, uh, you know, like, you know, what, what macro, uh, information is moving this market. Um, all that is uh, extremely valuable at that point, you're probably ready to kind of size up and, you know, take this seriously. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I think a lot of people probably take a path where rather than try to take on the major markets and major sports, they pivot to player prop path. And that's a great way to kind of get more familiarity with what it, you know, staking and kind of rein in some of the emotional side of betting, which is hard to conquer as well. Uh, you know, dealing with losses and, um, having, you know, a bad October, uh, you know, that, you, that, you, that's you, a bad month. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you, if I you have, have a, if you have a bad month, you need to be able to, what's to, that? To I, get I don't... by it not aware. I, I've actually never had you know. one of the great things about me, Drew, <laughs> is uh, I don't, I don't have back to back losing weeks. It's one of the reasons that I'm able to trade uh, rookie cards 
uh, for appearances on Action Network. You know, Network. you know these months where the Skyline Chili is just not tasting as good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know these months. Anyway, uh, yeah, kind of like you know, if you pivot to the player prop kind of path, you're gonna have greater you're gonna have less losing weeks. Frankly, um, mm-hmm. you're not gonna be able to win as much money, but that's that's the trade off. Um, but either way, you can kind of get the emotional side of winning and losing under control. And then maybe you're ready, ready to pivot back to trying to, to take on major markets. But, um, you know, I think, uh, uh, that's, I'm speaking out of experience. Mostly, um, the biggest gains I made were going from betting with my gut to making a number. The second biggest were going from making a number of betting in the blind to really kind of trying to evaluate and understand the market. Um, and you know, I think if you can achieve, all of those things, then, uh, you know, then you start a podcast. Yeah. And I think, I think Great that point. that is, Thank you, you, you hit on it. Like even in something, you know, silly, like I, 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 I like to bet, you know, these alternative leagues and to your point, like, you know, I don't have play-by-play data for like the CFL. Right. But I do have, you know, market numbers. I do have, like, I know how to do an ELO rating. Right. And I know how to, you know, just like you said, just make a number for a game. So, you know, that you're, you know, when the numbers come out, you're like, oh, that's off or that's up or, oh, hey, this week, I'm only like half a point off in every number. I, I, you know, that's probably a good sign every once in a while, you know, and there's nothing to bet. But to your point, like, you, you know, having like an actual reference point for a game versus just betting by feels like I, you know, I don't have the intuition uh, that, you know, about certain sports that some others have. Right. So I need to be able to have that kind of uh, in, in, in place. Um let, can we pivot for a second? Because, Drew, I know that you're part of the Restore the Roar contingent oh, no. here. <laughs> I, thought we were spending, I, I thought we were going to spend the next 35 minutes so, so, on the impact of Carlos Dunlap to the Chiefs. No, 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 no. So, okay. But wait, before, um, hold on. I, before you pivot, though, Eric, okay. just in case, just for the people out there, just a quick reminder that all the things that Drew's talking about, player props, making a number, you know, doing analysis place that you can go get a lot of that pff.com and it's coming soon to an app store near you pff app. Yes. we get you on, we get you on the early, uh, actually, I want your input, but that'll be, that'll be the behind closed doors podcast. Um, but uh, 40% off right now, pff.com promo code pff40. And if you are a fantasy player, you can get your first deposit matched up to $100 at Best Ball uh, Underdog Fantasy, which gives you opportunities to play best ball fantasy football, which is great because you don't have to check your league uh, during the season, which is a pain in the ass. Uh, first $100 deposit is matched by Underdog Fantasy. And if you play 10 of those dollars, you'll get a free PFF sub. So it's a great idea. Go check it out. Use promo code PFF. Download the app. Go to underdogfantasy.com. And uh, enjoy your summer a little bit more than Eric, who's just betting CFL and drinking green juice. No, he's winning though. I'm winning, and I'm and I'm yeah. I'm, the green <laughs> juice is fantastic, by the way. Uh, quick um, aside, quick aside before Eric, you launch into this. So I, Eric and I, you know, are have a, have jobs other than doing the podcast, which some people are not aware of. But um, we're on a meeting this morning, and um, he's on his way. He's walking through. Uh, Pennsylvania today and uh you know he's got the nice background behind him trees you know good lighting and he just comes on the pot it comes on the meeting and just goes guys my face is just looking thinner today feeling good that's the kind of confidence that I desire to have one day 
So just... <laughs> shit. You, that's how you know we live in a F prime world versus an F world um, to, to talk in math terms. Okay, speaking of, all right, let's talk. Now, <laughs> Drew, the Lions have made for a fun case because obviously the, the Detroit Lions, so, and we've all like, we were all a part of that 2020 steam that took them from like nine to one to win the NFC North to like six to one at close. So we all been, we've all been stung by the Lions. So while, while we are high on the Lions, and I think anybody who runs a simulation is going to probably like Detroit, you have jokes being made. Like I'm reading from the book of Rohrman as opposed to, mm. uh, you know, things like that. And, you know, restore the roar, hashtag restore it, all that stuff. I, I got to get your take here because I'm optimistic about this team, but I'm not ready to like say it with a straight face. Where are you on this club? This line, Detroit Lions team, six and a half wins, four to one to make the playoffs, 10 to one ish to win the NFC North. Where are you on this team? So to me, they look very clearly like they, you know, they, they fit a mold, a kind of an archetype that we see a lot, which is they've invested a lot in the trenches. They have a lot of young talent on this team. Uh, they have a coach that the, players played hard for last year um they underachieved last year in terms of win loss um and you know that you you kind of mix all that stew together and it's it's an easy case like oh this is a team you should be bullish about like you know injury luck bounce you know the, the injury luck's not really going to impact them much because they're young team anyway uh, and, you know, they actually have a decent amount of depth on some of the key areas where you would, you know, be concerned about injuries. So it's, it's, a, it's not a, uh, it's not a fragile team. It's not a team that you are really expecting to kind of um, underachieve. Uh, so it's easy to be bullish on this team. I think the, um, the schedule did not necessarily break perfectly for them. A lot of their more winnable games come at the end of the season. Um, but, you know, I think in general, um, you know, market expects them to be pretty poor and I don't think that's fair. Um, and how do you take advantage of that is, is kind of up for debate. I don't, I have kind of completely gotten away from, uh, kind of the wind total market, uh, traditional wind total market, the idea of laying anything close to pick them for a full season win total is crazy to me. If the edge, if I have an edge that's big enough on a win total, then I'm almost better exercising that edge week one, week two, week three, week four, in yeah. just in the spreads than I am putting a win total bet down in, you know, in July and, and crossing my fingers. Um, and so for a team like the Lions, where I think there's true clear upside, um, you know, trying to attack them in a way where you're getting more bang for your buck makes the most sense to me. And the two ways I did that were coach of the year and defensive rookie of the year. Um, and both handicaps I thought were pretty solid independent of the Lions winning. Well, Lions have to win games for Dan Campbell to get con yeah. consideration. There's no doubt about that, but like they don't have to win the North. Um, you know, this team wins nine, 10 games, gets a wild card berth. People are still going to make that case for them. And you're going to get equity on whatever big number you bet in, you know, May, June, whatever. Um, defensive rookie of the year, same story. Like this Lions team is not expected to be good, but they're playing a bunch of poor offensive lines. Bears twice, maybe the most notably. And, uh, you know, so that's an opportunity for Hutchinson to, you know, to truly get counting stats in what is a, a really, really 
um, small pool of mm -hmm. potential winners. Uh, and so I think both of those are, are fun ways to kind of try to attack, try to attack upside for the Lions. Um, but I think ultimately the reason that most people are kind of gravitating there beyond just the fact that they underachieved on wins relative to point differential last year. And, you know, I've heard a million people now bring up the close games they lost, blah, blah, blah. I think the Packers are vulnerable and people want to find some way to make that, make a bet against that. And it's not obvious what to do with that information. No one has made any kind of a bull case for the bears. That's a, that is a, uh, that ship has long sailed. Uh, and the Vikings are a little bit of a mystery to folks because I think they have some pretty clear um, questions that the coaching staff's going to have to answer. And, uh, you know, their schedule also doesn't afford a particularly easy start. So it's not like that, you know, the, the lines I think are in good shape to get out ahead of this uh, a bit um, and, uh, you know, force a market correction where they're treated as at least league average, if not a little bit better than league average, which is, I think, where you have to rank this roster. Yeah, speaking of, you know, taking advantage in the early parts of the season, four and a half point underdog at home to the Eagles week one. It's a big you number. Know, and a lot of people who are obviously very excited about the Eagles, they're certainly a more popular team, <laughs> you know, right? I, I think, oh, sure, been, sure. you know, they picked up A.J. Brown. Obviously, you've got Devontae Smith. I also like to think about the way that I think there's a tendency, you know, for fantasy players to get that are popular to get a little more juice, a little more love. Jalen Hurts, you know, we've talked about him. I think he's great, but that's certainly one of the areas that he's more valuable than, um, you know, kind of the the actual performance on the on the football field. Um, so I think that that's a really interesting point. But here's the biggest one, Drew. You talk about coach of the year. I don't know if you saw this today. Dan Campbell's doing up downs with the team. Yeah, I mean, you're telling me that they're. I mean, they're that's play playoff bound. I, I don't see. Kevin O'Connell doing that. I'm not seeing Whoa. Matt LaFleur. Kevin O'Connell's a good bet to win coach of the year, by the way. But I don't see I, I, Dan Campbell's out there inspiring people, leader of men. Yeah, he doesn't Christ, fire Dan people, Campbell. he hires people and inspires people. The Drew, I thought you were going to complete that sentence. You're like, to me, they're perfect. You didn't quite do that, <laughs> but I, I well, they, <laughs> you know, that there, there are. Again, they, they check every if you go back in like the surprise teams of, the, of our lifetime betting sports, like they check off so many boxes yeah. of like the team that surprises you. And so there's a lot to be hopeful for the Dan Campbell up down thing. Uh, you know, that's not crazy that you would even lean on that as like a reason to be bullish about this team, because, you know, if you are that type of coach, that's your M.O. Um, it's you're walking a very razor thin line. Like if you go hard ass like Joe Judge, you lose the or Urban Meyer, you lose the locker room on day two, you know, and then your tenure is over before it started. But if it's like, look, I'm here with you guys and we're working hard together and like I'm crying after losses because this means so much to me, like that galvanizes teams around you. And, uh, you know, Pete Carroll has basically made a career out of kind of being yeah. a raw, raw locker room guy. So if Pete Carroll can do it, why not Dan Campbell? And Oh, by the way, Dan Campbell goes for on fourth down for crying out loud. So yeah, it's like true. He, he has, a you know, it, it may be a swashbuckler mentality with him that he's doing that, but at least he's doing it. He's capturing some plus EV. And, you know, I think that's reputable. He's, he's a coffee is for closers <laughs> type of guy. You know, he comes in and that's his, go. his, he's mentality. like a woke, uh, he's like a, a woke Mike Vrabel. 
uh, as far as go. like he's the exactly. inspirational guy, but at least he'll go for a fourth down. I agree. And I, I think, Drew, you bring up something really good. And I, and I know the podcast on Sunday, we were, somebody was like, Hey, how do you hedge out of a Brady MVP oh, bet? And, sure, you know, and, sure. and I think that you make, you know, I do like when I do bet win totals, but I haven't bet, I got to be honest with you. I haven't bet a win total of your points in, in like a few months, just because at this point, like you said, you don't want to be betting into minus 110 for a number of reasons. And I think one of them, this has gone away a little bit with legalization, but it's still a reality that most people face. It's like the currency uncertainty is big. Oh, if you're going to yeah. tie your money up <laughs> for months. The currency uncertainty, Bitcoin and, and, and the dollar and stuff like that, is, that's extreme. But also like to your point, like you just want, you want these things to, you want to be able to buy into longer shots. So, you know, one of the things I've liked in this division is, you know, the, the, the O'Connell coach of the year thing. Like, I think if they do win 11 games, I think O'Connell is going to get the credit for that. I do like the Rashawn Gary to win defensive player of the year. That's the way to bet into the Packers because your point, you know, Green Bay is our Green Bay's playoff Super Bowl odds are shorter this year than they were the previous two mm-hmm. years. And this team's nowhere near as, in my opinion, nowhere near as ready to win the Super Bowl today as they were at this time last year or the year before, but the market is just like, you're, you're paying a premium to bet them. You're paying a premium to bet teams like Buffalo. You're paying a premium to short a team like the bears. Yeah, you are. Like, and, and so I think to, to your point, finding ways to bet cor- bet long shots that are correlated into the thing you already want to bet, I think are, is an extremely smart thing to do. Gary is a, is a really good one I, because you look at the pathway for the Packers. And I think this is actually really interesting. So you talk to anybody that is a Packer supporter, whether they're a fan or not, and you go, why, why be bullish on the Packers? They lost Devontae Adams, you know, and, and the joke about Alan Lazard being Hall of Famer, you know, all he's a nice guy, but like, you know, whatever. Um, and you'll hear them go, well, the defense is going to be really good. So that notion is already out there. Now, look, the defense could be really good. We know that defense is a tough thing to predict, sure. that injuries happen. And so the the defense could be really good. They could they could lose Jair Alexander again. They could lose Adrian Amos, you know, a whole host of things. But that doesn't mean that they don't have a lot of talented players who could have a really good season, right? And maybe they do still, you know, perform decently well. And it, if so, that narrative is already in people's heads around the defense being the reason. And so I, I think that's also important because people love when you're betting, you know, these awards, people love to confirm <laughs> their, their preconceived they, like they also like to give the award to a player in, so on PFF.com, I wrote about Gary. Um, they give it the TJ Watts PFF war in 2020 was higher than it was in 2021 when he mm-hmm. won the award. Gilmore in nine, Gilmore in 18 had a better award than he had in 19 when he won the award. Um, Khalil Mack in 2015 had a higher award than when he won the award in 16. And then sprinkled in as a bunch of Aaron Donald, which that's kind of like whatever because he's Aaron Donald. But, you know, Rashawn Gary was third in the NFL in win rate on pass rushes last year. He was like fourth in pressure rate. Like he's already a defensive player of the year type player. It's just like you need the variance to hit. And he's only had his career high is nine and a half sacks. So, you know, you, 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 you know, double like the conversion rate a little bit. 
and then he's in an 18 sack range where then he's he's defensive player of the year. It's that kind of thing where you look at the underlying data, the same thing with the coach of the year, right? Which is why I think I support your Campbell take as well. You know, there have, you know, in the last six years of coach of the year, none of them have had a PFF war above four. So you're, you're already skimming off the top. You know, the guys like uh, Herbert, who, you know, Staley's the favorite. You're already skimming off the top Burrow. You're already skimming off the top Mahomes, guys like that. You're dealing in the Tannehill, Baker Mayfield, yeah. Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, Jared Goff. Jared Goff was the coach of a rookie of a coach of the year, or a quarterback of a coach of the year in 2017. Exactly oh. the same <laughs> archetype at quarterback. So, like, that's, a, a again, a good point there. Um it, it, that's how you win coach of the year. And uh, I, so I think that the, I like the Campbell bet there the in Hutchinson one I've already bet. I actually bet Hutchinson, you know, I bet Hutchinson sack props too, some alt sack nice. props because I think he's, he's going to be pretty good this year. As you said, the only uh, thing I can add to your Gary take, which I completely agree with uh, he's got a 10 sack head start. He gets to play the bears twice. Honestly, look at the defensive player of the year race last year. Like Miles Garrett became market favorite because he got to play the Bears and got five sacks. TJ Watt won the award at the end of the season because he got to play the Bears and got five sacks. Like it, like it literally was that poor of a uh, of a system um, that it really did determine defensive player of the year market last year, which is crazy. And he gets to play him twice. The only the only problem is our voters going to have a bad taste in their mouth after the Lions uh, go into Lambeau and beat the Packers week 18 to win the North. Yeah, it's a great, uh, that is a really good point. Dan Campbell, by the way, 18 to one. Yeah. Also that's, that, that's a big part of, that's a big part of the win total that's slash playoff stuff too. I think what it's bears Vikings week 18. Um, both of those teams are going to be, well, the bears might not be playing to win, but the Vikings are going to be playing that game to win. I don't see a situation where they're resting guys in week 18. There's obviously an off chance that the Detroit Lions, if they needed that win to go over their win total, are playing a Packers team that, in fact, I think these things are correlated. If they're if they're if they need that win to get win seven, there's a pretty damn good chance the Packers are resting people. Um, and so that's another mm -hmm. part of the the Lions schedule. I know Drew says it's going to start great, and that's obviously you know true. But at the end, they you know they have some pretty big cupcakes, and that's a Dan Campbell team that like I think is going to try hard the whole year. They, yeah. they they were gonna, they're going to try hard the, the whole year. Um, let, if you don't mind, I'd like to spend, I don't know, a minute or two in honor of uh, the man that has won, won the offseason so far, which is Zach Wilson and his New York Jets. Um, their win total, five and a half. Do you see some of the same things that you're seeing with the Lions or – are you fading the uh, Joe Namath, the second coming of Joe Namath, Zach Wills? Uh, inclined to fade, mostly because I don't love their offensive system in general. Um, and, and, and just for, like, here's two, here are two quick reasons. Uh, the offense was not using the easy buttons last year, and I don't know that Michael Floor's got it. Uh, and then the way that the team responded to Mike White instead of Zach Wilson in games was like obvious like mm -hmm. whoa like that's not that's not a good sign if mike white is outperforming your number two overall pick um that's not to say that he's not going to make a leap your two quarterbacks leaps are common um but i think you know with 
you know, with what is a very crowded AFC and a very crowded division, um, I'm cool on the Jets. Um, and I think there's uh, certainly been know. some jumping that's happened this offseason, but we'll see if it applies uh, to the football field um here uh unbelievable the 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 thing that you said about Lafleur is interesting both Lafleurs have have had opposing defenses who flow to the run game more voraciously than all but a few of like they've had like when you look at Shanahan McVay offenses linebackers are basically in mud linebackers were on not not on skates but linebackers were on speed skates let's say against the Packers and the Jets running game. So I think that they're, you know, he's going to have to pull the ball out and, and make some plays on the play action game to sort of slow down defenses this year. And it didn't seem like, as you said, that, that the younger Lafleur was actually willing to put his quarterback in an easier position last year. There are two second year quarterbacks that I did make bets on though. Trevor Lawrence this week and in different ways. Okay. And I'll get, get, get you, I'll get your guy. You guys give me your opinions on these. One is uh, Jags AFC, uh, eighty to one. Okay. Uh, and the other is uh, Trey Lance MVP, fifty to one. Oh. And the case for both of these is pretty straightforward. Uh, I am not sold that the Matt Ryan experience is going to be smooth sailing in Indianapolis. I think there is a larger percent chance in the market is willing to buy into that Ryan is washed. In which case, you have three very very susceptible teams in that division around the Jaguars and you have a professional operation now and Doug Peterson that is already getting rave reviews from the players and the media and everyone covering camp in like three days. Everybody's like, Oh, this is what professional camp is supposed to look like. Cool. Like that's a good sign. Like there's still huge problems with the Jags as an organization, particularly above Peterson. But uh, I think just the fact that he is an adult uh, and is running a camp as an adult is a good thing. <laughs> and I think Trevor Lawrence, could potentially benefit substantially from just a little bit more, uh, you know, stewardship there. Um, and then, you know, it's, so if you, if you close your, if you squint your eyes real close, or if you go back in time and look and read your own takes about the Bengals last year, probably feel not all that different about the Jags right now. And it's not, you know, that it's not uh, to say that they, you know, that all of the, I didn't, I didn't love, basically any of the moves that they made in the offseason, really. Uh, but they got talented players. They just didn't value them correctly. Uh, so long-term, this baby doesn't work to where you can you know, say that you feel better about the franchise the way you do feel about the Bengals right now. But uh, the idea of them potentially making, you know, having some home playoff games isn't crazy to me. Um, and at that point, uh, 80 to 1 is, seems like an absolute ludicrous price. Um, easy schedule, too. So uh jags i think are and again like the sentiment that i'm picking up early in camp i think will get echoed pretty aggressively i think this number moves between now and kickoff basically um as people kind of like all realize like oh wait maybe that was the dark horse that we didn't see coming oh that's the cincinnati this year like there'll be a little bit of uh, people kind of you know yeah. making, connecting the dots i think i'll, I'll and, say this one i'll say this one more thing just to talk for uh, about this for one second Next year, the Jaguars have one of the worst cap situations in all <laughs> football. So, so yes. they care. They, yeah. like that, I think for, for some of these teams that you buy into at this, like, oh, seven to one division price mm. and, you know, six and a half wins and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes you're like, you get halfway through the year and like, ah, oh, fuck, this team's not trying. 
the Jags are going to try this year. So that is second to your point. Like that, whether the Raiders and the Jags are good this year, they're both going to try because next year shit's going to get real for them. Yeah, I agree. Well, and you've got it's actually the same thing with the Lions that I like a lot, which is you have this chip on the shoulder. You know, Jared Goff's a good example of this, you know, like trashed, you know, on his kicked on his way out, you know, just made, you know, made to basically feel like you don't belong in the league. And I think for Doug Peterson, there's a little bit of that, right? He's like, wait, what did I do wrong besides take a bunch of bum quarterbacks to the playoffs and win a Super Bowl? <laughs> you know, it's like serve yeah. a little ice cream and go for it on fourth down. And, you know, like yeah. there's, I, I definitely, when you're thinking about a team, to your point, Eric, that is going to continue, can they put up with a bump or two, <laughs> you know, like sure. that is important, especially if you're looking for some of those longer uh, tail things, you've got to give it as many chances as it can have. And if you stumble, it doesn't mean the thing's over, but you can open up more pathways with that. I guess the challenge, you know, so if they make it, you know, if they make it to the playoffs, they've they've got to face obviously a gauntlet of, of, of teams in the AFC. But one of the interesting things about that is that they will have had a much easier road to that point. Um, and so you might have a situation where in the AFC West, for example, you know, they might get the opportunity to play Kansas city at home. And that, you know, that, that gives them just the edge they need to, um, you know, to, to get all the way there. Trey well, and I think, a- I think your point conditional on making the playoffs, that means Trevor Lawrence is pretty damn good. Right. Sure. Sure. And, and I think that that's where, that's where I, the long shot stuff makes a lot of sense to me. Conditional on them have like, like I said, if, if none of the others, like the Christian Kirk stuff, the Zay Jones stuff, all that, you know, overpaying and all this kind of stuff with respect to this year, none of it matters if Trevor Lawrence isn't good. And if yeah, Trevor Lawrence right. is meh, then whatever, like you might get over the season win total, blah, blah, blah. But if he's good, good, like none of, none of, none of it matters. Like he's, it, you know, he's going to be in a game with a player who might be as equal in somebody like Herbert or Mahomes or something like that. If he's who we thought he was at pick number one, a couple of years ago. Right? That's right, man. The Jags beat the bills last year. Why not? Why can't they do it again? I'm being a little facetious there. That was one of the weirdest games of the entire 2021 <laughs> entire cycle. That was one of the weirdest games. Um, but no, I think I think the case is strong. Not that they will do it, but that the market good, price is wrong, right? It's th- th- there's only a couple that you really look at across the current futures board, and you're just like, there's no way that's right. And I mm-hmm. think Jags for AFC is one of those. Um, is Trey Lance in your are you seeing, because I think the analogy that you would have to make is something a, along the lines of the Mahomes-Andy Reid, um, you know, connection where... I think, I think you're looking for Jackson. You're looking for a Lamar Jackson kind of a year. Okay, interesting. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't, I actually and, think you're saying the same thing I'm saying, which oh, is okay, okay. you've got right. a quarterback and a scheme that are both elite. Yes, 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 yes. Right. So yeah, it, yeah. whether he does a throwing or, or running is immaterial. It's more of you've got this combination where you only saw one game of it last year. And it sure. wasn't like with Mahomes, you saw one game of him against Denver. They were playing. It was a weird. It was week 18. You know, you, you had 
backup players playing. Like when Trey Lance came in, it was like, well, we have this, this Jimmy G offense, you know, we'll do a few things here and there. And it's like, it didn't really make sense. And so now you've got like, okay, now the whole thing has been kind of cooked up and like ready for him. And so you have this really perfect combination of supremely talented guy, offensive scheme that is going to create all of these opportunities and the mm-hmm. guy just kind of like takes the lead by storm, right? It's like, you know, it could it could be that whatever, Mahomes had what, like 15 touchdowns for three weeks or something. It could be, you know, a, a run of 150 yard, you know, rushing games or whatever yep. it might be. Yep. But like people are just like losing their minds in the first three weeks. Yeah, I think the other two key points for this handicap are, I don't think it's 50-50 that the MVP comes from the NFC and the AFC. I think it is mm-hmm. biased NFC. Because I think the AFC teams are going to beat each other up. I think that one seed in the AFC probably has 12 wins. And I think if any NFC team distinguishes themselves, gets to say 14, even 13, then, you know, right away, uh, the people who tend to start their voting process by what are, who has the most wins this year? Oh, it's San Francisco. Okay. Wow. They got to 14. That's good. Uh, you know, like the team around Lance is good enough to get to 14 wins this in a week mm-hmm. NFC, surely. Mm-hmm. Um, if they sit healthy, I guess is pretty the caveat. Um, and I think, you know, the, the range of outcomes for a second year player in Lance who did not look great at times last year and who did not have uh, a final year of college effectively, uh, they are biased to him looking like a rookie, like mm-hmm. almost certainly like at least 30% likelihood. He looks like a rookie out there and it's just, he's not ready for this yet. But there's about a 60% chance because the scheme is good, because the team around him is good, and because in general, uh, you know, I think he has the skill set that can hide some of the flaws of a young quarterback who's inexperienced, i.e. he can run like the wind and they're going to do designed interesting running things for him. Uh, I think realistically, even in that middle body 60% where he's just kind of a little raw and had makes mistakes. He's still putting up a decent statistical performance. And I think the Niners are still in the conversation for the one seed. And then there's the sliver of like the 10% chance that like, this is like it clicks and that Shanahan gets the best out of him this year. And that, um, and what we've seen with what we, I think what we saw with Mahomes and what we saw with Mar Jackson, that it has taken me a long time to kind of really um, uh, kind of wrap my head around was like, they, there was a surprise element to those. Like the league wasn't prepared for that, mm-hmm. right? And for whatever reason, just maybe because of the grind of the NFL season, because you can only do so much with how you change your approach and packages and whatever, you can only change your DNA so much week, you know, from week to week in the NFL. Like there was no adjustment. Anyone mm-hmm. was even really willing to try to really stop what those guys were doing really well right. in their kind of breakout campaigns. Um, and because Lance is a mystery, that 10% is really intriguing to me. And, uh, again, like I look at this NFC and it is probably the most imbalanced between conferences that I can remember in terms of coming up with numbers. Uh, it was imbalanced last year and Russell Wilson left and Matt Ryan left and Carson Wentz came back and Drew Locke came back. You know, it's like, it's, it's pretty clearly like the the team with the most wins i think probably you know 65 ish percent as an nfc team uh and whoever that team happens to be that quarterback is without question in the discussion and if you have a ticket on him at 50 to 1 you know then december we're talking about 8 to 1 6 to 1 5 to 1 yeah and 
And the issue, one of the issues too, is that the Niners are, are, are much like the chiefs in 2017. That team was 10 and six. This Niners team was 10 and seven. So when the quarterback comes in and gets them to 13, 14 wins, it's not going to be the coach that gets coached. It's not going to be, even though he might deserve all the credit, like has Andy Reid even come freaking close to winning a coach of the year with Mahomes? Even (laughs) though I think we all believe (laughs) that Andy Reid is, is, you know, a really good coach. Right. And I think we all believe Shanahan's a really good coach, but to your point about division of credit, if that team wins the one seed in the NFC, Lance could be an eight out of 10 quarterback, much like when Matt Ryan was amazing for the Falcons. That yeah. team went 11 and five in 2016. Everybody gravitate. And that not, not that Shanahan could have won a coach of the year as an offensive coordinator, but you know what I'm saying? Like sure. it, it, the, the, the credit goes and, and rests squarely on the quarterback's shoulders. And, and I think Lance is going to do enough things that are, that are because of him, like his running is going to be him. Like we're not going to be like, Oh, well, his running. I mean, running backs don't matter. It's like, no, when quarterbacks run, we all, we all know, like we all know yeah. it's the quarterback's gifts that are, that are doing that. And then when he, it, I think his throws are going to be good enough, you know, and I, I've placed the same wager as you. I, I, I like it a oh, lot. Okay, I, and I think it's the only way to bet the Niners, right? I, I yes. Hallelujah. Thank you. A hundred percent agree with that because, uh, but it, and it, yeah, I, you know, and we're preaching to the choir here with George, I guess, but, um, yes. this Niners team was, a dropped interception away from going to the Super Bowl, where their quarterback oh, really? had a separated shoulder and a torn that. thumb ligament. Dude, mm-hmm. I, the and and oh by the way, that was their what fourth straight road game or something absolutely yeah. insane. And they were yes. still like they were still like a uh, like you we, know a coin flip away. Drew, did I, it's crazy. Did, have I told you uh, the situation <laughs> for that game? I don't know if no, we've talked no, about no, this. No. No. So, I was there. I, you know, I, I was kind of tuned out. I was there. I was in a luxury box. It was yeah. a lot of fun. So I was going to go. Okay. I was going to go to the game <laughs> and I realized I couldn't bet, you know, I wouldn't be able to get money down mm-hmm. and I was going to have to spend all this money to go to the game. Well, you and no then I was going to spend seven hours in a car. I was like, fuck that. I'm going to Vegas. So flew in Sunday morning, got a cabana at stadium swim. And of course, and we met, there were a bunch of PFF guys that were there for um, uh, the, shrine it, the Shrine Bowl or whatever. Yeah. We surprised them. It was, you know, the, the Bengals are playing the, the Chiefs and, you know, everyone's happy and all this stuff. I am trying to get as much money down on Niners, every Jimmy G prop, um, Niners alt lines, um, you know, all these different things. But in Stadium Swim, you either go to a kiosk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. or you're you're in the pool playing rubber duckies and the kiosk has uh you, there's this atm there that like won't let you take out a sizable chunk of money of course <laughs> so so i'm missing the the patrick mahomes collapse trying to get money so i run out of the, the stadium so i have no shirt on i'm immediately told that i can't do anything without a shirt so i go buy a, a stupid shirt i come back I'm told I can't do anything without my ID. My ID is on the cabana table. So I am like, you know, trying to coerce an ATM to like, let me take out more money using the, whatever. I finally get <laughs> some chunk of money down. I have one of the best is that I had over 235 and a half passing yards for well the last play was a negative three yard pass oh i remember that yeah Yeah. 
So uh, it took me under. So I'm sitting there now. This in, is the, in more the, ways than one, I think. By the this way, this is the culmination. <laughs> this is the culmination of this season for me, right? I have, and if I if they win and they they uh, you know I have these alt lines like at eight to one, twelve to one, it's going to be a night. So I'm sitting there, you know, third quarter or whatever it is, and I, you know, this is I can't even speak. Uh, my voice is gone. I'm so excited. And of course, you know, the, the, they just absolutely collapsed. The dropped interception was a complete dropped interception. Cover, by the, the way, we had, yeah, to, we I had was going to say plus three and a half was a great bet. Yeah. yeah plus three and a half cover. was great. I, I, ended, great I, I mean, yeah. I basically ended up, you know, up a little bit. Right. But like, you know, I, I had all of these, all of these things. Um, so what I think we do in, in redemption for that is we, I'm going to go get, I'm going to get some money down on Trey Lance 50 to one. And this is going to be the first of what I think we're going to do uh, this year as a syndicate, which is <laughs> we're going to bet for the good of the people. Sounds and good. when we win, we're going to throw one hell of a party. Uh, and so, you know, betting things like this that are long shots, but that are correlated with things that we believe are, you know, have a better than market average chance of, uh, of happening, I think are the right way to do it. Yeah. There's nothing I'd rather do then throw an amazing party for all of our listeners at Stadium Swim because yeah. Trey Lance won MVP. I mean, Let's not be... do it during a playoff game with the Niners, though, because we're not going to do don't, that. I'm not, I'll tell you, as excited as I am for the Trey Lance era and as good as I feel about this bet in particular, and that 50 to 1 is an absolutely ludicrous price for this, I'm probably going to fade the Niners in their first playoff game. Yeah. Well, and I think, okay. by the way, <laughs> I understand Caesars is still at 60 to 1. Oh wow! If, I, if the last the last time that I looked, but we may but need you're, to make like a trip. Drew, Drew's bringing up Vegas. a good point. You know, we've we've kept we've kept Drew for far too long, but he makes it. He's making a great point right now. It's like twenty five to one on Bet Online, which is actually like a fairly strong I, book. Yeah, I, it, I, I I carpet bombed all the offshore, so don't look. Yeah, that. You see, <laughs> yeah, you see all the. But I believe um, that the, the Caesars is a book that I don't know, man. Like. I, I hope to move as slow as sometimes as some of these lines when I'm older. <laughs> I, I have, a, as George knows, I have a hard time, like just like sitting still in life. Um, but I think that this one actually does have uh, 60 to one. Let me, let me make sure quickly Lance. Oh, this is why you, you should never code in public kids. Oh, no. um, all right. Lance. 50 to one now on Caesars. It was 60 to one when I bet. Yeah. So Drew's look at Drew just moving the market to the, to his price here. <laughs> yeah. It's Simon um, Hunter ask really <laughs> is, is what it is. These are thin uh, pools. It doesn't take much. I don't get much credit for this really. It, uh, it's uh, the awards pools and like it's, it's more than there's more liquidity here than there were for draft props, certainly. But mm -hmm. uh, these, these kind of niche markets, like you breathe on them and they, uh, they react. Yeah. yeah. They clam up. Yeah, um, yep. Let's get you out of here on this, Drew. Uh, you understand, have been a part of the betting space uh, as well as anyone. Um, what's where is it going? What are some of your hypotheses around, you know, what sports betting looks like this year, three years, five years, whatever uh, juncture that you want to take a stab at? I think we're headed to an exchange-based model for players like us. I don't know how long it's going to take to get there. I don't know what that final form is going to look like. There are at least a dozen different kind of entities trying to figure that out right now because they all see the same thing I see, which is the offshore space is getting scary. 
in terms of like how many outs you have and how much they're willing to take and how aggressively they, you know, you end up impacting the market if you're betting there. Um, and so the idea of peer to peer exchange is, is, you know, is the obvious solution to this for anyone who is kind of at my level and people who are above me in terms of getting liquidity down on sports betting. And uh, at that point, I think that overall, it just looks and feels super different than it does now where you have coverage that's more like CNBC style in terms of like, you know, what's happening with prices and, you know, what's, what's, you know, what news came out today and what the reaction was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, oh, you know, you know, Matt Ryan mispracticed this morning and the Colts moved, you know, 20% in their win probability. Mm -hmm. So somebody probably knows something, or, you know, mm -hmm. like co coverage like that, that's smarter and ties actual market activity to uh, the news cycle is going to be pretty cool to see come. And uh, I think that'll, uh, you know, that'll be, uh, that'll be a nice addition. Um, as far as, you know, the betting options themselves, like, you know, the, the big fish, the legal operators, the, you know, the fan duels of the world seem to have captured some, you know, the imagination of the punters with the same game parlays that's not going away anytime soon. Um, and, uh, you know, so there's probably going to be a little bit of a bifurcation, um, where the new players and the casual players are punting and the people who are taking this more seriously are trying to get, uh, you know, get liquidity on an exchange. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I think one of the things that there's a lot of correlation between I think the stock market and, and sports betting, which you are, are bringing up here. And as someone that, you know, Eric and I think a lot about the way that consumers will interact with betting. And I think about the way that, you know, certain places have made retail uh, stock buying, <laughs> uh, right? Very, maybe too easy uh, for some people, right? Um, and, but there is a real advantage to being able to take something like, you know, oh, yeah. that is, that can be really complex. And instead of presenting someone with an options chain, <laughs> you know, making yeah. it a little more <laughs> yeah. uh, easy to, to engage. And I think maybe the key there is uh, giving people the resources to do things intelligently and, and helping them not make mistakes, uh, you know, in it where maybe that has been some of the sins of uh, some of the, you know, the stock exchange uh, retail shops. I, and I think uh, it's more satisfying to get involved in prediction markets that are finite like sports. That'll, that'll drive mm -hmm. a lot of people into this. And then I think, um, uh, you know, you can expand prediction markets beyond sports in finite for finite stuff. And I think, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the two, the two most interesting betting markets if you are if you are really into the market side of it, the two most interesting betting markets in the last five years were the 2022 election and the mm -hmm. NBA draft number one overall, and neither had anything to do with the sports event. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, you know, the idea that you can create prediction markets around other things and, uh, you know, and really create some interesting, innovative ways for the high the high stakes players to get down will be fun. I thought you were going to mention mortality uh, pools. Those are my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure odds, to, odds to die next among celebrities is really what I'm craving liquidity for. But uh, I think maybe there's somebody will offer some it. moral problems. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody will offer it. And then there's going to be a, uh, a police uh, stakeout for the person that puts a million dollars down on, <laughs> on someone. Uh, so that was the, I think that's the appropriate way to, uh, to close out our podcast. Drew uh, just uh, 
pimp any of the good stuff that you're that you're doing that people should check out sure so uh providing a lot of content over for nbc sports edge at M- and there there the things are moving and shaking over there so it's tough to read to really even say hey check us out here but like they're they're doing a whole nbc football uh kind of mm-hmm. betting fantasy crossover focused platform this year that you know they're putting our stuff on and um and then uh the deep dive uh is the classic and uh you know if you want long a long form podcast that we record at about the same time as the pfs forecast so it's your it's like it's truly like a blind uh you know a blind mm-hmm. sample of our opinions versus your guys opinions uh you know check those out on sunday and wednesday except for it maybe it goes in one direction maybe i do listen to your shows and kind of at least like you guys, you guys do such a great job that I can't help but you know every like the Washington football team schedule one last year. Oh, with, like you one. guys yeah. dissected it so well, um, but yeah, that that it's such a great show. And you guys are going through team by team. Uh, some podcasts have two teams, some have one, but you guys are are going through team by team as uh, uh, over the last like few weeks or so. It's really good. You, maybe we should sell them as a bundle. There we go. Now we're talking. <laughs> uh all right drew thank you so much for hanging out with us we will see you uh hopefully before this before our stadium swim oh for sure yeah if you guys are going out to vegas for contest signups let me know i'll be out there a couple times between now and then yeah i need to do that we'll we'll coordinate there maybe we'll get the big guy out there going out and pay for the lap dances (laughs) i'll definitely be out there in august and september so hope to see you guys awesome thank you drew peace best of luck